Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Hello, Christian. We are back together today with another really special interview. Who do we have with us? We have Jane Williams, guys. We are so excited to have Jane with us today. If you don't know her, you're in for a real treat. And she just has tons of wisdom to share. And so Samantha and I have been looking forward to this interview. So hi, Jane. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Yes, a lot of you probably, if you're local to Columbia, may know who Jane is, and you're probably excited just by reading the title of this episode to get to hear her wisdom, because if you've spent any time with her, you walk away just feeling like you've gained so much out of life just from even five minutes of conversation. So we feel really lucky that we get to sit down with you today and talk a little bit about your story and what all you do for others, really. Yeah. So why don't you just kind of start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. What does life look like right now? you know, all of the things. All right. Well, I'm much older than probably most of the people listening to this podcast, but I'm very privileged to get to speak into younger lives. You have a lot of life ahead of you, and it's just a beautiful journey that you're on, and I'm just glad to impart any wisdom I can about it. I came to Columbia as a college student and never left. That was many years ago. Had a long career here as a social worker and then became involved just in community activism, really, trying to respond to needs in the community and organize people to meet those needs. So that translated in 2008 with founding an organization then called Love Inc. We now are called Love Columbia, where we match the resources of people in the community, the time, talents, and stuff of people in the community with people who need that time, talent, and stuff, who could use the skills and just material goods and help, encouragement, cheerleading to have a better life. And so we we want to join people in Columbia who have never met before. So I'm excited even on this podcast that some people will be hearing about this for the first time. And you may have things that you want to share with others and concerns that you have in the community we want to hear about and we could turn into something really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure just even in that little snippet, you guys are already hearing the beauty of Jane's heart and just wanting to resource people with awesome things that other people have that they don't need anymore, or maybe just some wisdom people have or different things in our community. And so you have been a great advocate for just loving people well in our community. And we are so thankful for that. You said you went to college here and then stayed ever since. You're married and have children. Tell us about that. I have a husband, two children. My son teaches at Donnelly College in Kansas City, Kansas. My daughter is a modern quilt pattern designer in Chicago. And I have a total of six grandchildren and a lovely son-in-law and daughter-in-law. The oldest of the grandchildren is six. So it's been quite an explosion, six kids and two twins in there in the mix. So it's been great for me to be a grandmother and have that beauty in my life. Yeah, that's that's awesome. awesome. That is so cool. You know, you explained a little bit about Love, Inc., but were you, and you mentioned you were a social worker, were you always drawn to helping others in this way? Or is there something that happened kind of post-college or through your social work career that led you to just wanting to really kind of live your life in such a generous way with your time, your resources? You always talk about sometimes you don't know how to get something done, but you know how to gather the people that can make things happen. So where did that come from in you? 
Well, actually, I was sitting in my sorority house and trying to figure out what to major in and picked up an intro to social welfare book and suddenly found myself weeping over these pages about the plight of inner city poor. And I just wanted to do something that prompted me to go into social work. I somehow then uh, several months later, I credit that often with opening my heart really to the gospel because I grew up in church but didn't really have a personal relationship with Jesus. And then a few months after that experience of just this compassion for people that were disadvantaged, I think that God used that to open my heart. I met someone in a class who talked about having a personal relationship with Jesus, and I I had never seen that before. So I ended up getting a Bible and reading it and discovering that God wants to speak to you through the pages of the Bible. And the book was alive. And if I would sit and just wait on him, that I could actually have a sense of his presence. And that really changed my life. It guided me. I did complete a master's in social work, worked mostly in hospitals. And then again, through another spiritual experience in the mid-90s, my backdoor neighbor and I really felt we should leave maybe institutional social work, I guess, and just go out to the streets. So we started knocking on doors in a ministry we called Free Prayer and offering to pray with people. I felt like it was very important not to just think we knew what people wanted and needed in the community, but to actually know them, be in their homes, and hear their hearts. And so that's what we began to do. And again, it was just that love for people seeing that people had hopes and dreams, but they had not had the advantages that I had. They had no way to make those happen. They didn't have role models. Also sensing there was a big disconnect with the church world. People in churches wanted to help, but I would often see, oh, just, oh, let's do a pass out backpacks or let's have, you know, this clothing drive or something. But I felt like it was distant charity. And what really changes, what changes any of us is having a relationship, a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with a person. So how could we create a structure so that people in local churches and other volunteers who wanted to help could maybe take the awkward out of that, meet people they had never would have an opportunity to meet, and share side-by-side working toward a common goal? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love all of what you just said. Even in just going back to the beginning of your story, how you were sitting in your sorority house and the way that you felt, you know, you met someone in class talking about the gospel. It's like God clearly had his hand on your life in all of those little circumstances that was starting to kind of mold your heart and your spirit and toward, you know, to doing what you're doing today. It's really cool to look back as we think, okay, we're in our 20s. We're living these days, just these mundane days. And I think it can be easy to think that the choices that we make right now just feel like that. They feel mundane. But really, every decision we make in every direction we go is sending us towards where we're going to be in 10 years, in 20 years, and, you know, for the rest of our lives. And so I love that idea of just being kind of open-handed to where we're called in the moment, saying yes to that, and seeing where it's going to take us in the long run. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And really, each thing you do, I mean, God is so purposeful with your life. I mean, Ephesians 2.10, you know, tells us, 
us that we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. He created you with things in mind that really only you can do with your particular personality, your background, your where he plopped you down on planet Earth, in what year, in what culture. He has got such an amazing plan for how you can be very purposeful, lead a meaningful life, and that's what he wants to lead you into. So even with hospital social work, I didn't stay there, but you came and got a handful of referrals and went and knocked on doors and met people and helped them through the next step of getting out of the hospital usually. And it turned out that was perfect for knocking on doors in public housing and offering to help people. So whatever you're doing, God is planning the next step with it. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, you are just like meeting needs and just listening to God and what he has for you in like every step of the way. That's awesome. You talk a lot, you know, we met before this and we chatted about your story a bit. You talk a lot about even in this, like even in what you just said there, meeting people's limitations. And you said overall that that's a way that God has used you in your life of like you have been guided by limitations is what you say. Tell us a little bit more about that. What do you mean by that? And like, what is all encompassed in that? Well, just even referring back to that idea that we are God's masterpiece, if you think about a painting, there are focal points, and then there's the negative space, and all of it's necessary for the whole picture to come out in a beautiful way. And so, I mean, none of us can do it all. And even we see that Jesus didn't try to do it all. He was homeless, and he needed places to stay. He asked even for someone to help carry the cross, a drink on the cross. I mean, go get a fish, and let's pull out a coin or the little boy's lunch. I mean, we were not created to be one-person shows and be able to do it all. We're created to live interdependently and complement one another. And if we didn't have needs or limitations, honestly, we could live in isolation. So those needs and limitations are honestly why we call out to one another and why we call out to God. When we started Love, Inc., now not Love Columbia, we didn't have any money or a place to be. So someone helped remodel this and volunteers did everything. My own personal story, I lost my eyesight in the end of 2012. And suddenly I needed people to help me do lots of things. But instead of just letting that overwhelm me or stop me, I thought, hey, here's another reset how more people can get involved. I have come to see, started with Hurricane Katrina when I, along with some others, helped to create a response to the over 500 evacuees who came here, that a crisis, what seems to be even a very difficult tragedy, can launch something that's really great. So that's the show and tell that started our organization and brought a lot of people into seeing how we could organize what we have here in Columbia to meet needs. So I'm just a firm believer that when something really difficult happens, when there's a limitation, that God is poised to do something really grand out of that. And we just need to wait. Jane, I love that. And I'm thinking back. So you're talking about, you know, when you started what was formerly Love, Inc. and now Love, Columbia, and then even in your personal story when you lost your eyesight completely, you have such a beautiful perspective on how you chose to view those things as like, wow, God, how are you going to bring people in to help me personally or to help this organization? But take me back to those days where, I mean, where they're hard, obviously, I'm sure there were heartbreaking moments in that and hard times. 
How did you get to that perspective? Did you let yourself grieve that? Were you ever angry at God? Or maybe you weren't, but what was that kind of right in that moment time? Well, I was pretty overwhelmed. I'm an eternal optimist. I've had lots of eye surgeries in my life. I was a preemie born a long time ago when they didn't turn down the oxygen and incubators. But so I've had eye surgeries since I was 13, but honestly never crossed my mind. They weren't going to keep fixing my eyes and repairing them. So I was pretty shocked when my last eye surgery failed. I don't know that I was so much angry at God. Maybe I was, but I just wasn't sure how I was going to live the rest of my life. But I have felt that in the quiet moments, this still small voice will come. And I used to do a lot of journaling. I now still do it with my screen reader. I'm typing on the computer just to wait and listen. And sometimes it's your own thoughts, but sometimes some thoughts break in that you know they're higher, they're wiser than anything that you could think. And so some things happened to me right at the beginning. I was sitting and I just said, God, how can I do this? And he said, when the darkness overwhelms you, just see that your face is buried in my chest. And another time I said, well, what am I going to do? How about the, what's the future? And I, I felt he said, just see this season as me walking you blindfolded to a big surprise party. So he will break in. There are times when I have never felt so near to him. I have never felt so completely loved. And the previous surgery I had that where I lost my ability to read print was a few years before I went blind, a couple years before that. And during the eye surgery, there was a resident who stepped up to the side of the bed because it's a little grueling to have a you're wide awake during an eye long oh, eye oh, surgery. Yeah. And he said, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Dr. Lord. <laughs> well, I just got this big smile, and I'm thinking, you know, God is going to such great lengths to let me know that He is there. Yeah. And so I would just want to say, and I'm sure others have experienced this during a difficult, difficult time, He is with you, and He does have a plan, and He is causing something to happen that's more grand than what you could ever figure out on your own. Or even no, it's too high for us. Psalm 139 says, it is too high. We are hedged in. Well, I was hedged in with this darkness. It was too high for me. But I knew the outcome was going to be better than what I could ever dream. And I have seen him use that. Me being maybe more relatable to people who are struggling. One lady, right after I came back to the office, looked at me. I was there with my stick that I used to get around. And she came in and she said, I want to talk to that lady because it looks like she's been through some things. You know, other people, I feel like it maybe takes some of the intimidation out. You certainly don't have to have a good hair day around me. <laughs> it's not going to matter to me. But I also just need a lot of help. The other lesson, you've talked about what lessons would I, would I give. It's learning, I think a big one, is just learning to rejoice with those who rejoice. I think we hear in the scripture to weep with those who weep, and sometimes that's easier than the other side of that verse in Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice. If we can rejoice with others, for instance, somebody's talking about those beautiful red cardinals on the tree, and I'm thinking, I wish I could see them, but if I can get into their joy, then I have unlimited joy. 
If I only have joy about when I'm personally experiencing something happy, my joy is very limited. But if I can embrace the joy of others, then I have unlimited joy. And who does not want unlimited joy? But that doesn't come easy, especially when you're young. I mean, you have to embrace really there's plenty for all of us mentality. I think when you're young, it's very easy to compare yourself or think I like that person's life trajectory better than mine. But honestly, everybody's life trajectory is so special. And God has got something so amazing. And he wants to speak to you and use you through it all. If you can just relax. And as I like to say, my motto I adopted at about age 40 is stay fascinated. That is really what I tell myself. Something is happening, an interruption. I got bad news. I pause and I say, Jane, stay fascinated. And how can we stay fascinated? Because the one who's in charge of absolutely everything is crazy about us. And if you just believe that, you don't have to panic. Now, I'm still at my age, still, I'm shortening the moments of panic, you know, first reactions, but they are getting shorter. And I would just say, don't beat yourself up if you do panic or, you know, fall into complaining or woe is me. But, you know, just say, let's shorten those so that my first reaction is, okay, stay fascinated right now. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I just love that in all of those moments, any part of your story, you can see so much like just goodness of God in all over that. And that is just so amazing to me. I love what you say, but I'm thinking about the person who's maybe listening or even myself, I'm an achiever and my personality wants to go, go, go and do, do, do. And so when you say, well, just like wait on the Lord, Like, honestly, if I'm being honest, like that waiting kind of gives me like a panic. I mean, speaking of, (laughs) because I'm like, oh, no, I want that to be active. Like, I want my waiting to be active. I want steps to like do something. Or is that just passive? Like, what do you mean by waiting? Or like, give us some tangibles of like, what do you do in the waiting? You mentioned journaling, but like, what do you mean by that? I'm a go, 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 do, do, do person. And I've had to really work on, I think there's a character in the Bible, Martha, who loves to do, do, do. And then her sister is Mary, who sits at the feet of Jesus. And I think the ideal is if that we could be Mary Martha. Because normally when you do sit and wait at the feet of Jesus, he is going to tell you something to do. And it's going to be very stale if you don't get up and do something eventually. But I think for me, waiting is very hard. I don't like to, I'm not a natural contemplative. So for me, having journaling and just free thought of just, okay, I'm just going to start writing down my thoughts. And at some point, that's like flapping your wings. You know, maybe you will just be writing down a prayer or, and sometimes, hey, it's going to turn into your grocery list, you know, but that's okay. Just try it again. I know one time God really spoke to me through, my daughter was about eight years old and we decided to have family devotionals, you know, those dreaded <laughs> things. And um, and so we had one and she was squirming the whole time and, and actually she just hated it. And then the next day she said, mom, when are we doing that again? And I realized she didn't really care what we did. She just wanted to be with us. And I think that's what God wants us to know. He doesn't really care what you're doing. He just wants to be with you. There's a verse in Song of Solomon 2, Oh, my dove, in the cleft of the rock, let me hear your voice. I mean, do you know he wants to hear your voice? Even if you're complaining, hey, half the Psalms are complaining. But he just wants that running 
conversation. And so as a young person, if you can start developing a running conversation, whether that's just in your head or say it out loud, you know, with God. The other thing is, and I can make a plug for a bigger life podcast by Dave Cover that I listen to twice a week. If you want to grow in this area, start listening to those podcasts because Dave is taking people through, all of us who listen through the Bible at a slower pace, at a meditative pace, at a turning the Bible into prayer. So slowing down, you know, just be still and know that I am God. Somebody gave me an exercise long ago that you would just take one of the words off the end of that and just keep repeating it. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I and just sit slowly and think of it. Just saying the Lord's Prayer or one of the Psalms and go slow. Because so many of us are very go-getters like you, probably people listening to this podcast, you know, you're going you know, to add this to your life and you are a go-getter, but it's the slowing of the pace, I think, that will change our lives. Oh my goodness. There's just so much in what you say, Jane. So I love all of that. Kind of going back to what you do here at Love Columbia, as we're listening, what would you say to Christians? Like, what is our role in our community in loving others well and just really being there for our community and loving our community? What can we be doing or should be doing as Christians in that way? I think one of the first things is just to become aware And I think in the last year, even through the pandemic, the things that have been just uncovered through all the George Floyd murder and all kinds of different things, all of us have become more aware. But I think just on a personal basis, becoming more aware even in Colombia. And so because that can spark something. And maybe as you become aware, take time to find out, you know, what are some of the concerns here? Find out that there are schools in Columbia where the reading level is very low, where there is 25% of people in Columbia who live before the poverty level. And what does that look like? So maybe just start by actually becoming aware, just being sensitized to that. I think, you know, through the church you're involved in, certainly the crossing has a lot of efforts to get involved. And so I think finding out what those are, it's hard to just step out on your own. It's nice to do things with a friend. If you have a small group, maybe invite somebody to the small group to share about a ministry, or even just ask God to help you meet someone you would not normally have met. That is what I think we have found changes people the most. And that's why we match people in different kinds of one-on-one coaching. Because sitting with someone, whether it's a budget, and you realize, oh my gosh, this is the bravest person I have ever met. I could not get up every day and run a household on this income with these three kids. I don't know how this person does it. you know, Or I don't know how this person gets up and goes back to this job that pays so little and the boss is, you know, so difficult? And how can I help them find a better job? There's just hearing the stories. That's why you're doing this podcast, because you know the power of telling stories and getting to know one another's lives. We have this really artificial view from social media, don't we, of what is somebody's beautiful on the surface life, but it's not true. And those are the things that make us depressed. What inspires us is really getting to know people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of, yeah, when you say 
sit across the table from someone or sit side by side by someone, assumptions you may have had or preconceived notions or any like insecurities you have sometimes just vanish completely when we kind of take that step to actually get to know a person. And so sometimes I think that that can either feel like the hardest thing ever to do or if you just tell yourself it's as simple as like saying hello and asking someone what their name is. Like why do we build that up to be so difficult when someone maybe looks different than us or acts different than us? It's like we can kind of get in our head that that would be such an act of bravery when it's really just offering a hello. And so I love that idea of getting to know people, hearing people's stories. And that's really where my heart has been changed when I get to know someone personally and say, well, yeah, I always thought this way, but I don't know what I would do if I wasn't born into these circumstances and given a lot of opportunities. I might have a really different perspective on X, Y, or Z if I was dealing with life like you are or I don't know. I just love the idea of getting to know people in that intimate way. Yeah, I love all of that. That's awesome. So going back to just the series in general of what we're going through, if you had to go back and tell, you know, Jane at your 25 year old self, like, what do you wish you would have known then that you know now? Julian of Norwich is a Catholic mystic, (laughs) and C.S. Lewis quoted her with increased frequency throughout his books toward the end of his life, and and her most famous statement was, all will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well. I guess just having a greater trust at those difficult moments that really, again, what I said earlier, God loves you. He is going to take care of you. He is with you in it. And no matter how difficult a certain circumstance is, no matter how much you feel shortchanged right now or just disadvantaged by someone, mistreated, he is with you. He is going to turn it for good. And he is going to really have his way in your life. So really just relaxing, I think, at those moments of when you could get into great turmoil. I think, and really not being so concerned about what is going on in other people's lives. Mm, That's amazing. Well, we are always, and I'm just always so encouraged and inspired when I get time with you. And so I know our listeners will feel the same way. And so what could someone do if they wanted to maybe volunteer for Love Columbia or get involved? Maybe even do you guys have social media or how can they kind of keep up with all you guys are doing? We are on Facebook. We do have a newsletter that comes out once a month. It's an email newsletter. We'd love to send people. We try to give updates. Right now, there's a housing crisis going on that we're presenting a lot of information on. So that would be good office at lovecolumbiamo.org. You can email there and get signed up or just go to our website and get signed up. So, And my email too, janew at lovecolumbiamo.org. I'm always happy to hear from people, especially young people who think they might want to be interested in getting connected somehow. That's awesome. Well, we will include those contacts in our show notes so people can find them easily. And we just really appreciate the time with you today and know that a lot of people are going to benefit from it. We are so so humbled and honored to be with you today. So I'm honored to be with you. (laughs) Thank Thank you you so much. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.